0: Good morning, everybody. It is June 8th, 2022. The uh, clock is ticking on. We're almost halfway through this year, if you can believe it. It's kind of crazy to think about. So, sorry about last week. Uh, I uh, missed an episode because... Uh, I had to be at my daughter's uh, graduation. And uh, yeah, so that happened last week, last Wednesday, which is when I usually record my podcast. So I took the day off uh, from work and uh, we went out to Tokyo for that. Uh, actually, the Wednesday wasn't graduation, it was actually the uh, parent student. Uh, banquet, actually, I guess it's the PTA banquet, is, that, that's what they call it, uh, for the graduates. That was on Wednesday, and then Friday was uh, the uh, actual graduation. So we had to go out to Tokyo two days, just one day between. That was pretty tiring. I had one of the busiest weeks last week I've had in a long time. Um, but yeah, like I said, the week is, uh, or the year is uh, rolling on. Uh, kind of crazy how fast it's moving, actually. Um, So, here it is, what I say, June, June what? June 8th. Yeah. So, my wife's birthday is in a week. Uh, And then, yeah, we've got our anniversary two days after that. And then Father's Day, a day after the anniversary. But this weekend... Uh, unfortunately for Father's Day I'm going to be, or this next weekend I'll be hiking I'll be on a trip with my good friend Cam and Pat We're going on a two day trek uh, up in the mountains in a prefecture close to here um, where we'll uh, I guess trek for about 12 kilometers the first day and then stay in a, a mountain kind of a mountain Hostel, I guess is the best way to put it. It's it's a little mountain hut uh, That has a staff and they they cook meals and uh, there's a outdoor uh, public bath, which is a all the rage here in Japan It's called an onsen or a, Also known as a the outdoor part is known as a lotemburo. Um We'll get to do that and then we'll hike back the second day, uh, but it's a very remote location not accessible uh, by anything other than uh, the air uh, and/or uh, hiking, so it's kind of a neat little place. This, this will be my second time uh, to go up there. Um, they provide a couple meals and a bed, and so yeah. Anyway, we're going to do that, in, in preparation for uh, my friend Pat's research uh, into. I'm not sure how he's stating it, but but the basic idea is to introduce young people uh, to nature, more or less, to get them to to uh, I guess fall in love with nature would be a good way to put it, or or you know to appreciate it at least. Uh, in the hopes of uh, kind of invigorating. Uh, young people uh, with a little more uh, joy and wonder at nature getting them out of their homes and away from their game systems and away from social media and all these things and letting them explore and 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 uh, discover things out in the wild and, and hopefully discover themselves in the process and discover things about themselves uh, my daughter's school in tokyo well, all three daughters went to that school has a program for juniors, uh, which is called wilderness, uh, wilderness Camp, and basically they go into uh, the wilderness for uh, three nights and four days, I believe is what it was, uh, and they take all of their all of their food, all of their water, all of their shelter with them, and they survive. Uh, in in small groups for that amount of time. Uh, And it's a program designed to, um, uh, what do you call it, Um, introduce young people to very difficult and harsh situations, but safe, hopefully, Uh, safe but harsh situations. Uh, and letting them find out just how much they can survive, just how much they can actually get through. Uh, teaching them to be resilient, teaching them that there's more inside of them than they knew, and at the same time that there's more outside uh, than they know as well. Um, and I think, I think if if you're a student at all of of humanity today, I think you realize that there probably is a, a dangerous disconnect uh, between people, between humanity and the um, natural world. Um, there isn't necessarily um, a lot of interaction going on, not by and large. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding and mistrust. Uh, and we are raising a lot of kids um, who who lack the um, understanding of how nature works, uh, and especially a practical understanding. Um, there may be some with you know textbook understandings, but anyway, this program is designed for the um, enrichment of young people's lives. But at the same time, I'd say a byproduct is is that hopefully uh, this rift between man and and nature uh, is somewhat somewhat healed, at least on a personal level with the people involved. You know, I, I I'm just always surprised that when you talk about camping, there are certain people that say, "Oh, I hate." I hate nature, or I hate bugs, I can't do it because of bugs, or, you know, they have no ability to withstand even the smallest inconveniences in life. And if you've lived long enough, uh, and I've lived a little more than half the average life of a human, I think, uh, you realize that life is nothing but hardships, and they're going to come. Uh, sometimes, uh uh, they come in bunches, and the ability to, to withstand those hardships is uh, a very important skill to have, right? There are going to be tragedies and hardships that happen in life, and they're not all going to be nature-related, obviously, but that's not the point. The point is discovering who you are inside, uh, what you're capable of, uh, even in difficult situations, you know. Uh, and if nothing else, you come back alive, right? That's something. That's still something. Maybe you didn't uh, find your leadership potential, um, maybe uh, maybe you weren't the person uh, that was uh, depended upon um, because of your calmness under pressure, but at the very least, you return alive. And that's a lesson in and of itself. Um, that I can, I can be knocked down, but knocked down does not equal knocked out, right, uh, and there was a time when, when life did this naturally to you, that, that was life, you know, we, uh, when we came to Japan, and we started, you know, growing our family, we, we would, you know, talk about taking camping trips, and sometimes we talk with some of the old people about this, and I asked one old, old lady, she was, I think in her 80s, Uh, I don't know if I asked her, or if, you know, my wife was talking to her, I don't remember, but I, I I have the memory that I was there, but I could be wrong, but, you know, did you guys go camping, do you like camping, she said, oh no, I never go camping, we're like, why not, she's like, because that was my life, that's how I lived, when I was a little girl in America, you know, and this, this woman had lived, or come out of the Great Depression, and and uh, she said, you know, that was the life she lived, and she had no uh, no need to go back to it. You know, she, she understood it very well. Um, but the thing is, you know, she's right about that. You know, life used to be camping. <laughs> We've gotten so pampered um, and soft that that, you know, camping... Which some people do for fun um, is too hard for us, which used to be just normal life. Uh, so there was a time when life prepared you for life. Uh, but today you can grow up and become 20 or 21 years old without ever having experienced a real loss of running water, electricity, God forbid, Wi Fi. You know, it's 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 actually possible in today's world uh, to live in a way that you don't experience any of that, uh, and I don't believe that that does us any favors. I'm not saying that we should go back. I mean, it's such a hard thing, right? It's so difficult. Um, but even if even if technology has made it possible for us to go beyond these. Uh, you know, past things that were everyday occurrences, uh, perhaps we need to realize that things can happen in an instant. Uh, I know I come back to this a lot. It was a big event in my life, and if you guys are tired of hearing about it, that's okay. But, you know, when, when March 11th, 2011 happened, uh, 2011 happened, the big earthquake and tsunami uh, here in Japan happened, Uh, it was a winter day, uh, the places that were hit the worst, it was snowing a little bit, uh, it was in the afternoon, going toward the evening, being a winter day, the evening comes quick, right, uh, the darkness comes quick, which darkness equals cold, um, in the winter, it always equals cooler, but anyway, um, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, um, So, people in an instant were thrown into a very difficult battle with nature, right? Uh, and, and many lost that battle right away, right? Many died. And some died because they made poor decisions, because they didn't know how to make a decision in that situation. Uh, they, they had never faced anything difficult. Uh, and some just had no chance. Um, nature hit that quickly, right? Nature hit that quickly and that, that uh, strongly that there was no chance uh, for them to survive. Uh, and that happened to uh, some 19,000 people on that, in that moment. Now, in 2004, I believe it was, there was an even larger tsunami in uh, South, South Central Asia, India, Bangladesh, Indonesia, where two to three hundred thousand people lost their lives. Similarly, right uh, in the earthquake and tsunami that happened there, and it was just a more populated area and and a more um, rural area, I suppose, to where uh, and less less developed. Maybe maybe lower. They had lower uh, building standards and things like this. So. The earthquake was actually bigger in Japan, uh, but there was less damage, uh, for whatever reason. Maybe lower population on the coast up there as well. Anyway, my point is, people were thrown into this survival situation in an instant. Had they had, had they have had some uh, training, some experience with living through these things, uh, perhaps more people uh, would have would have survived. Uh, and, and may have survived, uh, and be, have been of assistance to their fellow human beings, you know, had they been better prepared. So I, I see education, unfortunately, going the opposite direction. Nobody wants to, uh, nobody wants to subject kids to any kind of, uh, inconvenience or danger. Everybody's going the opposite direction where, um, you know, we're afraid of lawsuits, so if a kid gets hurt, you know, um, so because a kid might get hurt if he climbs a rope, we're never going to climb ropes again, you know, kind of thing, um, so, yeah, so anyway, my, my friend Pat, uh, he's going to, uh, hopefully go on a sabbatical in a couple of years, and what he wants to do on that sabbatical is, is, um, research this idea of, of wilderness training. And uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, it's not wilderness training so much. It's 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 as much a mental and spiritual thing as it is physical. Um, yeah, so I'm not even sure what he's going to call it or how he's going to refer to it. We, we kind of had this idea before, and we, we did a few a few really long hikes with kids, and uh, we took some other kids up some mountains, and, and uh, with this group that we formed called Cross Active, uh, but Pat's going to take it to the next level, and uh, man, it's kind of exciting, so this weekend is all about uh, just uh, a uh, a pre-trip to get ready for that, I guess, uh, uh, a, a scouting trip. Uh, what he's thinking to do is do some uh, kind of wilderness wilderness survival stuff with these kids so they won't be staying in a hotel, they'll be uh, actually sleeping on their own and, you know, figuring, figuring out a way to um, you know, get rest uh, with minimum equipment. Uh, of course they'll have some equipment, but you know, something like that. Take tarps and instead of uh, so roughing it as much as as much as they can. Uh, but to me I, I think they'll have to kind of ease into it. I think kids are so so far detached from anything like this that uh, they'll have to be eased into this situation. Uh, that if if you go too too much too soon it, it just may it may not work out. You may get kids quit, you know, not enjoy it at all. That wouldn't be good for the program. So, Anyway, again, just brainstorming. Uh, Yeah. How does this work out spiritually? Like, for us? Like, I always come back to um, the church and, and how the church has been formed over the years and what the church looks like. Uh, and unfortunately, I have to say that the church, much like the education, um, educational institutions, have also coddled and protected uh, its members instead of preparing them for the difficult things that are that are going to come. Uh, it's not that the Holy Spirit uh, perhaps doesn't uh, uh, help us somewhat, but... It seems like you know most most people who are involved in in big churches and big institutions, especially if you've been in the same one all or most of your life, um, it really becomes an echo chamber uh, and and a safe space for all the wrong reasons. Uh, you 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 can be. Somewhat, as long as you stay inside, you can be somewhat safe from uh, contrary ideas, right? Uh, from free thinkers, right? Uh, from doubters, you can be safe from a lot of that inside a church. The problem is, <clears throat> all of that stuff is important for an actually actually healthy church. So if, if you have a church that's not questioning, that's not skeptical, uh, uh, that's not honest and open about its doubts, uh, I don't think you have a healthy institution for the exact reason that I, I don't think our kids uh, in schools are are helped at all by being shielded from nature, right, uh, ov- overly protected from nature. <coughs> course I say that right now in a car uh, that keeps me uh, dry in this it's raining today by the way just it's kind of a nice rain it's kind of a light sky rain Um, and I've got you know air conditioning and all kinds of great stuff in this car so you know whatever I say you can take worth a grain of salt (laughs) but uh, nonetheless uh, I think I think churches do us a disservice by not encouraging us to question and to doubt, and to into and express our doubts openly. Uh, that that is the most uh, to me the most necessary thing in churches right now. Churches need to be opened up. Um, they need to face the fact that a lot of the a lot of the people. In their churches, are not not doubting because they're infants. They're not skeptical uh, because they're protected from the outside world. They're shielded. They're um, they're prisoners, and they don't even know it. And then, when something comes, when a member of their family doubts, when when something difficult happens, when somebody gets pregnant, when somebody gets sick, when somebody dies. Uh, when somebody leaves the church, they're not prepared for any of this. They don't understand it. Uh, they immediately go to, well, uh, you know, that person is wrong, whoever's experienced, of course, not the death, dead, dead and the sick, but, you know, uh, instead of realizing that perhaps they fell into some of this stuff uh, because the church never prepared them for it. A church that doesn't allow questions is a church that that is a prison. And whether it's implicit or explicit, uh, usually it's not explicit. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's what I think about that. Um, you can take that as you will. Uh, I think this is why we have discovered, uh, especially since COVID, that there is a lot of benefit in getting together with non-professional religious people uh, in a living room, in a circle, even on Zoom, where we all discuss discuss, and share, um, where, where we have uh, an open forum to rethink a lot of things, where uh, instead of spending that, you know, hour getting ready for church, uh, we're on we're on YouTube and we see these interesting videos that we never thought we'd see. You know, we have more time to to sit down and, and see that there are a lot of people that think differently about a lot of things, and, and maybe that's okay. You know, maybe that's fine. Uh, but churches need to be opened. They need to be a safe place. Not in that they protect people from having doubts, but, but where they tell people that it's a safe place to express those doubts, because we all have them. And as you mature in Christ, you're going to have more questions, not fewer. And I'm not sure the questions ever stop. Uh, I think, I think, the more certain you are that you know what's right, you know what's wrong, you know what God wants, uh, uh, the more immature you are. Is that too harsh a way to say it? Uh, kids see things in black and white. Adults see many more shades of color. Um, so, how do we? You know, what do what do we do in churches? What's something specifically we can do? Um, I think I think if you are a a leader of some kind of Christians, whether you're just a a friend with more experience or or maybe you know, you host, like I do, a, a, a group in your house or have hosted a group in your house before COVID. Uh, I think you can start by asking the hardest questions. Just go ahead and ask them, whether you still have those questions or not. Put the question out there. You be the one um, to break the ice on the hard questions. Be open and honest about doubts that you have or you have had in the past. Um, so go ahead and you know go ahead and just break that ice so that nobody has to worry about about asking hard questions. Because if, if you have a lead, as a as a leader feel safe enough to ask these difficult questions, uh, then I think other people will feel safe to ask the same questions right, to have doubts. What are some of those questions? Well, they go right to the heart of, of, you know, the divide between, say, uh, belief and atheism. Uh, Theism and atheism. You know, does God exist? Was Jesus divine? Uh, Is the Bible true? Uh, Is the Old Testament really historical? Did God really do this? Did God really do that? Uh, Did Jesus say this? Okay. Um, Does it matter? Does any of this matter? True or not true? How does it change my life right now? Ask those difficult questions. I'm sure there's more difficult questions than that. Does God actually care when I sin? Does God get angry? Does God get angry at me? That's a big one, right? How does God feel about me right now? Um, These are all great questions. They're all really good questions. Um, did Jesus really raise from the dead? Was he he really resurrected by God? Is Jesus God? Is, Is God Jesus? How does the whole Trinity work? What is prayer? Does prayer work? And if prayer works, why does God have to wait to do good until we pray? And if God knows everything, why do we have to pray anyway? And if God knows everything but doesn't do anything unless we pray, is God actually good? Uh, kind of going deep in my bag in some of the questions that that I've asked, uh, and a lot of them I've asked on this podcast, I think. Uh, does God actually care about premarital sex? Is God against homosexuals? Uh, is homosexuality actually a sin? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the list is long and these questions, people have them, people have them and and a lot of these questions, people have answered, but they're too afraid, they've answered for themselves, but they're too afraid to let you know what they think about it and maybe they're lying about what they actually think uh, because they're afraid they'll be ostracized, um, Open up the floor to these questions. And also let people realize, and, and, and don't try to assume uh, that there are answers for everything. There are not necessarily answers for all the questions. And don't try to give people the answers to all these questions. Allow people to explore the questions themselves. And if you happen to come to any conclusions about any of them, Hold them lightly. Be humble about what you, what conclusion you've come to. Realize that there's more information out there, there are things that you don't know, and things could be different. I mean, this is all really just a part of being a mature adult in the world. It's really not much more than that. Things we don't know. Things we can't see. Um, yeah. So, I think that's one of the ways that that we begin to help people um, prepare for the hard spiritual things uh, that can come up in life. Right? Um... Another big one that, that we had to face because our family dealt with it was what about suicide? What if what if my loved one takes his takes his life? What does that do? What does God think about suicide? Does God hate suicide? Is he going to hell because he took his own life? Is that is that a an eternal death sentence? But what about hell? I mean, what the hell is to deal with hell anyway? So, uh, hell's a big one. You know, hell is the, hell is the, uh, what do we say? Second, drop Drop the hammer. Is that what it is? I don't remember what it is. Anyway, uh, trying to find a saying. Hell is a huge one. And if you, if you find a way to address... Uh, the theology and the misconceptions uh, of hell, I think it goes actually a long ways uh, in solving some of the other issues as well. Um, what does the Bible mean when it says this? What does it mean when it say that? Why does it say this here, but this here? Why does the Bible contradict itself? Um, oh my gosh! It's just so many things, right? So many things. But what religion has done is say, "Hey, we're the experts. You don't worry about those things. We worry about those things. You trust us, right? Uh, you just go about your lives and don't, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to." Uh, meet those challenges because that's what we do right we're the we're the professionals we're the ones that take care of that you just do what we tell you to you keep coming to church and paying your tithe and and you know uh don't do this and don't do that and don't do that and don't do this and and you'll be fine and on some level i believe that's true because i don't believe you have to be uh, a theologian to please god Right, uh, that's true, uh, but it also doesn't mean uh, that these people who have placed themselves on a pedestal actually know what they're talking about either. Um, sure, we can we can trust them to to a, to a certain extent, but at some point, chances are you're going to have a big question, and you're going to be. Persuaded not to ask that question. They're going to try to ask you to not even think about that. Don't ask that question, or just take our uh, opinion on the matter. Just accept what we say on the matter, uh, and and you know, and then you'll be fine. Uh, there will be a lot of that as well, unfortunately. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think wilderness camp in a spiritual, uh, uh, in a spiritual way, would be something like that. Asking the most difficult questions, purposely challenging yourself to face the doubts and the fears uh, that you have, and publicly airing those, so that we can all be honest about actually what we believe and what we fear, uh, and and who we think God is and who we think God isn't Uh, and that that honesty is what's missing in the institutional church and I I actually believe that institutional Christianity cannot exist with people being that honest I think it would crumble uh, because I think people would would find out quickly that it is incapable of answering those questions because to answer those questions uh, means for it to lose its power uh, over the members of their churches, right? The power that they have is that they supposedly have a monopoly on truth, uh, on on practice, right? Um, orthodoxy and orthopraxy, they know what you should believe and they know what you should do. Uh, and then they also have uh, the fear, right? Your fear of not knowing enough, not being enough, uh, that keeps you in the church and it keeps them in a job. uh, And this whole system, which is uh, really instead of revolving around God, revolves around money and power and oftentimes fame, uh, would disappear if you were allowed to ask a lot of these questions. Is this a conspiracy theory? Uh, no, because I don't think most people in leadership positions in institutional churches actually know that. I don't think they believe that. Uh, part of it's, part of the reason, is they haven't asked the hard questions either. Uh, they just take the textbook answers and, and feed them to their congregation and, and go on with their life, uh, happy that uh, you know they're not going to be one of the ones eternally uh, tormented in hell. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of institutional church. <laughs> I'm not sure how how I got to institutional church in this, but uh, this is something that's been coming up, and uh, I'm on some uh, web pages of organic, you know, organic church. So-called web pages, and where people regularly bash the institutional church. Um, I don't mean to do that. It's not my. Uh, it's not my desire to do that. But there is, you know, this is called deconstruction for a reason. You do have to kind of take apart who you are. Uh, if you are going to find out, find a better way to be in the world, and for 40, 40 plus years, uh, I lived more or less in the institutional church, uh, both as a member and as a lay leader, and as a teacher, and as a preacher, and as a worship leader, and uh, sometime children's minister, College ministries uh, for forty some odd years. That was my life. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I have some experience. I, I kind of know what I'm talking about, and I've been on the other side now for a while. Uh, and it's hard on the other side too. Life is still hard over here. Uh, it, it's it it's but it's free, you know, and it's. You, you have to uh, you have to grow to survive in it uh, your faith is not coddled and uh, um, you you uh, have a lot less to lean on in a sense but uh, what you do lean on tends to be more real I think so you know it's it's not a perfect thing and I think it's institutional churches are used by God and have, uh, have, have a very um, good use. Um, I think they, they have a great opportunity to uh, bring people, um, to teach them, uh, to bring them into leadership if they'll just uh, change, uh, change what they, you know, the focus of what they do from something like a cruise ship into something like an ocean liner right so you know the church should be trying to get people from point a to point b in this life okay what what they say is that they're a you know they're trying to get people from from hell into heaven Uh, but the truth is you can go from uh hell into heaven in this life and i think that's where the metaphor of hell is much more useful it's much more useful Uh, to think of hell in terms of the consequences of not living a christ-like life now that's what we get right we we can be in hell uh chaos is another word for hell um wilderness is another word another way to look at the idea of hell uh so yeah i i um Sorry, I got distracted for a minute. Uh, So institutional church, if we'd look at it more like a university uh, and less like an old folks home (laughs) where you go there to die, uh, I think it'd be great Then we could be sending people out constantly, you know, uh, raising people up, preparing them to go out into the world. Uh, And if institutional churches were seen as more like universities, uh, finishing schools, right, polishing theology and and being ready to send people out preparing them uh and allowing them to face the questions for a short time while they're in the institutional church then they could go out into the world and make a real difference but instead uh they're they're kept in elementary school basically their whole lives uh they're born uh grow up and die with an elementary education uh and they never have an impact on the kingdom of god the impact they have is to to you know pay for the retirement of their uh, pastors and to you know pay for the building and uh, you know do a few things like that um, and maybe a little more here and there but basically their Christian life was lived in a building uh, that belongs to a Christian group uh, when outside its walls uh, you know the world is 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 needing the way so um i I think just a a change of focus uh a change of purpose um would bring huge would pay huge dividends for the institutional church. I think it has a calling and and a, a use, but I think it's it's being wasted and squandered. yeah it should be a university and not an old folks' home, yeah or a prison, if you will. I know that sounds bad, but almost like a gated community. All right, well, uh, I am here, and uh, I am going to leave this to you. Bye-bye.